This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to some sort of the Clue Jets podcast. It's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, very special episode. Another friend of the podcast. We really dug into these special teams uh, niche here. We're joined by new Jet Thomas Morstead. Making his return, was on the Jets in 2021, had a really good season for them. Went off, you know, went to the rival Dolphins, whatever. We'll forget about that. But now he's back. Back, new punter, the Jets. Thomas, thank you for joining us. How you doing, man? I'm great. Glad to be here. All right, let's 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 start with uh, the most recent news. You signed with the Jets a few weeks ago. Kind of take us through your, your free agency process. What was your, your offseason uh, thought process like? Well, um, you know, the thing I've learned over the past few years, you know, I had such stability. I was 12 years in New Orleans with the Saints. Um, you know, was very well compensated and had a lot of success. And uh, I just found as I've gotten older uh, the past few years that, you know, no one, even no matter how well I'm playing or how consistent I'm playing, uh, all the teams aren't looking to sign a 37-year-old punter. <laughs> so they're always looking to get younger and cheaper. <clears throat> and so um, it's got to be a good fit. A team's got to be in win-now mode, I think, to be interested in me. And, and uh, to try to, to uh, you know, not be so looking into the future and more looking into winning now. And I've learned that over the past few years when I've gone to the Dolphins. They were kind of in that space last year. And, um, and, and the Jets are in that space this year. So it's, it doesn't provide for a lot of long-term stability. But I don't think any, any gig really does at this age. So um, the pressure's on me to perform every year and, and be super, super reliable and consistent, be a great teammate. Uh, mentor to young guys in the locker room um, all those things matter and and honestly that's I'm sure a big part of why the Jets brought me back um, is because of those things that I demonstrated while I was with them a few years ago yeah I mean I, I would imagine being on a win now team is incredibly important to players us as fans I think last year was the first time we've, we've got to see the Jets kind of in that that situation since like 2015 how big of a difference does that make uh, for a player? Because I know, I mean, as a punter, though, if you're on a bad team, you're getting a lot of reps. Maybe you have a good season. On a good team, I mean, I, I would imagine uh, the mood is a lot brighter and maybe it's a, it's a lot easier to get through those uh, those grueling days in the winter. Yeah, look, I've had great seasons on, on elite teams and I've had great seasons on not elite teams. So um, at the end of the day, we don't get a, a trophy for the most punting yardage. We get, we get graded on how we do per punt, uh, per play. And um, and that's the name of the game for me is being uh, reliable, whether they're asking me to punt one time or eight times in a game. Uh, every time the coach asks you to go punt, he thinks it's the best chance for the team to win is to have that play happen. And so 
um, you know, obviously it's exciting when you feel like you have a, a really a shot to win week in, week out. Um, it's not only exciting every week, but it's exciting as your season goes along to know that you, you've got a shot every Sunday because not every t- team can say they think that. But, um, you know, there's ha- half the teams in this league know they, they don't have a shot this year. And uh, it's exciting to be on a team that does have a shot. Yeah, and we're excited to have you back. And hopefully we don't see you too much. When you are out there, we know you're going to do well because that's what you did when you were here with the Jets in 2021. Um, And two years later, you're going to be playing under the same coach with Brant Boyer still being around. He survived three head coaches. He's one of the longest-lasting coaches on the staff. So what makes him such a great coach? And what can you tell us about uh, maybe some of the things you learned from playing under him a couple years ago? Um. Look, here's what I'd say. It was a huge healing process for me coming to the Jets. It was my first team I'd ever played on other than New Orleans. And uh, nobody really wanted me. I'd had a bad injury in 20, and I had a down year for the first time in my career. And COVID happened. The cap went way down. There's all these things that synergized into teams not being interested. I think a lot of people thought I was washed up based on my first half of my 2020 season with my back injury. So all those things really were a hard thing. I came into my workout, and – I'd met Brant before at the Combine a few years prior. And, you know, we just had a good energy. And uh, at the time, they were just looking for somebody to plug a hole while uh, while Braden was hurt. And it was an opportunity for me to get my foot back in the door. And I don't, you know, no, nobody says this, but it was, it was the first year of a new staff. And so, you know, I don't think uh, Super Bowl was on the agenda that year. Um, and so it was just a, an opportunity. The team was ha- glad to have me. I brought a little bit of veteran leadership and did my job well while I plugged in. And uh, Brant was great to me. I really enjoyed playing for him. You know, he's, uh, he's a, uh, a coach that, you know, is, is, he, he played the game. He played the game for over a decade. So he understands what it's like to be a player. And um, sorry, you guys. They're good. You guys still see me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he, he understood what the deal was. And for me, um, he just treated me really well. And we were on the same page with how we wanted to do things. And uh, he just wears his heart on his sleeve, you know, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, you know where you stand at all times. And that's super, super valuable as a player. And, um, and that's one of the reasons I love playing for him. Yeah, you also played under a Jets legend in Mike Westhoff. Granted, it was in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, what can you tell us about him? Jets fans are, are quite familiar with with Mike. He was a special teams coach here during some of our, our peak years uh, in the late uh, 2010. So so what do you think about uh, Westhoff as a, as a special teams coach? And what, what wisdom did he impart on you? I loved Mike. Um, he's not for everybody. Um, he's very, very difficult uh, sometimes. Uh, but it's it's only because his standards are so high. Um, Mike got after everybody. It didn't matter if you're the worst player on the team or the best player. Um, his standards were so high, and he just demands it. And, and I loved playing for him. Um, you know, he didn't try to change how I punted, but he made sure I understood the expectations. And he said our punt team ran through me. And he put it on my shoulders, and I loved that. I had my best two seasons of my career playing for Mike in uh, 2017 and 2018. And so, um, you know, I stay in touch with him. I talk to Mike every two or three weeks still. Um, he's now the assistant head coach of the Denver Broncos, which is a really cool opportunity for him. We'll be going – the Jets will be going yeah. to Denver this year, which is exciting. Is that um, fun for a punter <laughs> to go to mile uh, high? 
depends if it's December and it's, <laughs> you know, 10 degrees with snow blown or if it's 80 degrees in September. Uh, so it just depends. Um, but I'll, I'll really look forward to seeing him. Um, I, I stay in touch with him and, um, he's had great things to say about me in his book, uh, that he just wrote. And, um, you know, I'm just a big fan of him. Yeah. And I want to talk some more about punting specifics because it's not often that we get to, you know, talk scheme, talk ball, some more technicalities, you know, with special teamers. We had Thomas Hennessy on a few years ago and we got to talk through some of his film and, you know, some more of the nitty gritty of what he's doing on the field. So we want to do that a little bit with you. Um, so take us through a typical fourth down. How much directional freedom do you have in terms of where you're putting that ball? And how do you sort of work in tandem with your coverage team to make sure you get the best possible result? Well, based on my experience with uh, Brant a few years ago, it was pretty, you know, we're easy going. You know, he when you have a coach to trust you and, and knows how you play your game and, and, and that synergizes with how he wants to do things. You know, we really had a nice energy. Um, you know, he pretty much let me call the shots of where I wanted to punt the ball. And he was depending on me to put it where I said it was going to go because we'd send our coverage team there. And, you know, you got a guy like Justin Hardy running down uh, covering punts. Um, me and Justin broke records together down New Orleans with left off. Um, and we had a really good crew uh, for a few years there. So, um, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a long leash or there was with coach Boyer before. And so, um, and that's earned through just, uh, you know, doing what you say you're going to do repeatedly to where that trust level is super high. And so that's the whole goal is to have that to, to where your coach is coming to you saying, hey, where's your best ball? Where you where do you want this to go? And you get to make the call. And at the end of the day, when when the accountability and the responsibility is all put back on your shoulders and you got nobody else to blame, that's the best way to play this game. So hopefully that's how it will go um, this year. So when are you making that call? Because you said, you know, Boyer gave you a lot of freedom to kind of decide where you're feeling, where you want to put that ball. So is that in the huddle coming out when you're sort of telling the rest of the coverage team, all right, I'm going right, I'm going left, going up the middle. So when yeah. are you making that call and like, how and, are you communicating it? Yeah. So different, different games have different game plans. Sometimes, sometimes we have uh, a game where there's no wind and it really doesn't matter which way we go. And we may punt to a certain look. Hey, if we get this look, we're going right. If we get this look, we're going left we may be playing in a game where they could quadruple team uh, Hardy on one side, but the wind is dictating that we punt that way. Everybody in the stadium knows we're punting that way. So we won't even, some games you won't even have a discussion. We know we're punting this direction because of the wind. Um, and so a lot of times if there is some decisions to be made, it's made right at the edge of third down, you come over to the huddle and say, Hey, here's what we want to do. And everybody hears it and we all confirm it. And then we all run out of the field and we execute it. It's pretty simple. There was a game this year where they the Jets lost on a last-second punt return. And I've always kind of wanted to ask a punter, um, what is that thought process like? There's 10 seconds left. It's a tie game. Whatever it is. Uh, but the last play of the game is probably going to be a punt. I think Giants fans might think of the uh, miracle in the Meadowlands, too. Seems like Tom Coughlin wanted this punter to punt it out of bounds. Of course, Deshaun Jackson's able to run it back. The Jets face that this year against the Patriots. So kind of what's what's the thought process at the end of the game and why do we still see it happen where, where the ball gets kicked in bounds and then inevitably gets run back? Well, I, look, I mean, you just watched the Masters this weekend, right? People make foolish plays. People uh, make great plays in big moments. And it's never all on one person. But the way I view the game is you – you have to know 
what can't happen on a play before you know what you'd love to happen, right? Everybody would love to kick it 60 yards out of bounds every time. I mean, that's a, that's awesome. But, you know, when there's 10 seconds left in a game, um, you know, understanding that, you know, if you hit a 30-yard crummy, crummy punt out of bounds um, – and that's the worst play that happens. And you get ridiculed on Twitter. What a shitty punt. Who can, you know, at the end of the day, did the game get run out and you go to overtime? You kind of have to play those scenarios out. And nobody's perfect. Uh, we'll all make mistakes. But I think that's just part of the game you have to learn to play is understanding in those moments what what cannot happen. And um, and then at the end, and, and, and it's on everybody else, too, to make their guy right. I mean, um, situations like that. That I've had them where, you know, you know, everybody's got to pick each other up. You know, nobody's going to be perfect all the time. Um, and it's just unfor- unfortunate when plays like that happen because guys get singled out and it's tough, especially. I mean, I think in that game, Braden punted like 13 times. Yeah. I mean, that's tough conditions tough on, too. That's tough on any on any team to punt that many times, to have guys covering down that many times in a game in those conditions. It's just tough stuff. And so, um, you know, it's not an excuse for anybody, but, um, you know, you just, I think in my mind, I just have to know what cannot happen on this play. What's going to, how do we lose this game when you get into those last second uh, things? That's why sometimes you don't see teams kick a field goal late in a game because they may be up by two scores with 30 seconds left. And they say, well, the only, we could add to our lead here, but the only way we lose the game is if we give up a blocked field goal. And then they score a touchdown, returning it, and they onside kick, get it back, and you know what I mean. So you have to look at some of those those plays and just think about what can't happen, and and that's having situational awareness. Yeah, and you know, speaking of big returns, I think from watching the league all these years, one of the ways you can prevent them is having a pun with good hang time, so you could force a fair catch, let your guys get down there, but at the same time, you also want to generate that distance. Like you said, it's always great to have that sixty yarder and flip the field. So from your perspective, like if it's an open field punt, because obviously, obviously it's different if you're down near the 50 or trying to pin a team, but if it's an open field kick, how are you sort of trying to strike that balance between getting distance down the field, but also having that hang time to where you could help out your guys in coverage? Um, look, a lot of that has to do with who, who are you playing? What's the score? Uh, what are the, what are the, um, what are the conditions? Uh, what's your matchup outside? You know, sometimes Hardy in the past would come over to me and be like, dude, I don't care if they double team me, kick the ball to my side. I'm making the play. When you got guys coming over to you begging for opportunities like that, that gives you a lot of confidence just to put it out there. Right. And so it, it, at the end of the day, a putt team, it's a team, right? It's a team effort. You gotta have guys covering lanes, guys picking each other up. If you see your buddy gets double teamed outside of you, that's got contained you got to fill that hole, right? And everybody's kind of got to adjust like an accordion. So, um, you know, all those pieces come into, into account. But at the end of the day, if you're out there thinking um, all the time, I've got to hit this perfect ball, it's a bad place to be. I try to keep things simple. At the end of the day, if you hit spirals that turn over and go where you want them to go, direction is the most important piece in this game to me. It's nice to have a huge leg, and I used to have the biggest leg in the league a decade ago. Um you know, it's nice to have that, but nothing beats direction because if you put that ball out of bounds, it doesn't matter what the hang time is. It doesn't matter how good the returner is. It doesn't matter if everybody on your punt team gets blocked. 
the play's over. It's kind of like hitting a touchback on kickoff. So being able to lean heavily on direction is a big deal, and uh, that's what I try to do. How do, how do you and other punters in the league, or even just teams when they're evaluating punters, how do you evaluate your performance? Like, do you look at your film and just kind of take into account each situation and look at how it played out or just the feel off your leg? Or do you use certain stats like net yards or DVOA is a stat a lot of people use? Um, yeah, so how I, do you guys evaluate I, yourselves? I, look, there's a few. I, I like PFF grades. I think those are good because they kind of take into account uh, they don't take into account results. They just do distance, yeah. hang time, direction. And, um, and so that's a big deal. And then also you've got, um, you've got uh, uh, the punt runs do a really good yeah. uh, statistical analysis with uh, EPA per punt. So I think if you're, you know, if you're at the top of that, uh, it doesn't mean you are the best punter, but more than likely you were pretty dang good. So th- they're all, they're all ways to measure yourself. But at the end of the day, you got to look at what what is coach asking you to do, and are you doing it? And if you're doing that, and you can have transparency with your grading and understanding, you know how you're being evaluated. I think that's the best way to generate trust and accountability inside of any locker room and any team. And uh, and so that's kind of, you know, that's one thing I loved about Boyer. I mean, I had a few balls that got away from me uh in my seven weeks two years ago and you know i'd come over the sideline and he'd be like holy shit you know you, you know we were covering our ass off on that I, i'm like i got it I, that's on me i gotta be better you know so it's just know where you stand at all times that's that it, it it's uh it just breeds trust and um that's the way i like to handle things now thomas I, i've i've long had a theory michael's been subjected to this theory i think our listeners have as well i want to get your thoughts on this if I have a son from the age of two through high school, we're going to the park every day for an hour and we're kicking, we're kicking footballs, we're punting and we're kicking. Cause I feel like it's a pretty sweet gig. If you, if you can make it, do you have any advice for, for, for my future son? It feels like, you know, there aren't too many variables. You, you're doing the same thing, repetitive uh, motion over and over. Uh, is this a plan? If I get him out there every day um, for, for a few years, can he, can he go to the NFL? Uh, here's what I would say. <laughs> If you'd have put me out on a field because you love baseball and wanted me to be a pitcher, I mean, I look like a pitcher. I'm 6'4", 230. I guarantee you if I'd been throwing a ball since I was two years old, I would never even have sniffed 90 miles an hour throwing. I don't have the anatomy for it. So uh, I hate to crush your dreams, but uh, put your kids in whatever, as many sports as you can and let them play. Don't put them in travel ball early please god don't do that just let the kids let the kid go to the park let the kid play let him be creative let him learn his own style and then if one day he says dad i really want to do this then then you put the resources into that but i really am grateful to my dad he never my dad was a pro cyclist he'd love for me to get on a bike and 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 i think i'm built for that sport I'm yeah like, i know how to i know how to suffer i love training and cycling is a sport of suffering and I would have loved, he would have loved it if I'd have done that. He never once pushed me onto it. He always just uh, supported me and and so did my mom. And they still do this day. They go to a lot of games. And so, you know, just let him play. And uh, yeah, I think if, if you think you want to get him into kicking and punting, you don't need to do any of that. Just have him play soccer. And if they, yeah. if they end up being a football fan, I don't know one kicker in this league that didn't play soccer. I know, I know quite a few punters now that didn't. 
but I don't know any kickers that didn't play soccer. So just do that and they'll, they'll figure it out. All right, Michael, my, my robo punter dream is dead now, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I, have, I have a question for you. My, my dad wanted me to ask this one. Do you know who has the record for the uh, NFL's longest punt by any chance? I want to say that was, uh, um, was that Randall Cunningham 98 yarder out the back of the end zone? Well, that might be tied. I know the Jets have Steve O'Neill, 98-yard uh, punt in 1969. So I'm wondering if you're going to frame a picture of Steve O'Neill above above your locker this season and on. Maybe you can I hit 99-year. I, mean, I think I have to. I think the days of, of 90-yard punts are over. Uh, no one's playing on AstroTurf anymore. Yeah. And uh, and also, we don't have these wide-open, windy stadiums where, you know, you, you just get balls that roll and roll and roll down the field. So. Um, I think a lot of those long punts were back in the days when they were playing on that AstroTurf, you know, yeah. concrete, concrete carpet. Uh, but I tell you what, I would be happy with if I, uh, if I, you know, if I just have a, a consistency, um, you know, I'm never tr- trying to hit the ball more than 55 yards, honestly. So if I do, you can call bullshit on me. If I, <laughs> if I try to, if I try to get some glory from it, I'm, you know, I try to keep everything in the net, um, not too far put some hang time, put some good direction on it and let guys go make plays. And if you do that over the course of time, you're going to have a lot of success. Do you, do you ever get any trash talk as a punter? <laughs> sure. Definitely. I mean, COVID was wild because there's nobody in the stands. You could hear everything. Guys were talking shit across the line. <laughs> they, they, they were, they were investigating past history and, you know, people's girlfriends and, you know, really? all sorts wow. of, oh, oh yeah. You could hear everything. It was bizarre. Um, I guarantee you, if you guys interviewed specialists on that that play during that time, they'd have stories of things they remember being said across the field that, you know, got in their mind for a split second and got them out of their routine. Is there anything so, that you can repeat on this podcast? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Well, that's funny because, like, I've heard fans do that before. Like, they'll research a player's birthday or something and, like, yell it out at them. And, but, like, to hear players doing that, like, and I think, was it, uh, I think it was Kobe who like researched French and he like, he sang it to Tony Parker or something. Yeah. So like that's, <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. Those mind games. I, I'm I'm all for the gamesmanship. I, I, I have a lot of respect for guys that take it to that level. So. Now, Thomas, you have uh, a few children yourself. Do you play Madden with them ever? We don't own a gaming system. Uh, no, I was, so. I was, I, that was my favorite question. I was going to ask if it's, if it's Madden and it's fourth down, are you punting or are you going for it? Uh, yeah, I haven't played, I haven't played, in, I mean, honestly, I didn't even play much in college, so you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. I mean, I guess the, yeah, I mean, you are an athlete, you went to the gym, Michael and I are recording this podcast out of our closet this morning, so I think you <laughs> might have his, might his beat on that one. Only you. Yeah, closet. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were curious to know, I mean, do you know a number you're going to be wearing yet? I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I'm kind of excited about it, you know, they've got this new number rule. I think specialists are now open to zero through 49 and then 90 to 99. So you're going to have, some, you're going to have some specialists rocking some numbers that have never been worn before. You're going to so go for the big one, go for like 99. No, I have no idea. All I know is I'm sure my kids will have some opinion on it, but <laughs> I always tell them I'm, I'm just grateful to have a number. So um, apparently my number four got, got taken away. Yes. Um, and so unless he makes a, uh, a number switch, I'll be, I'll be finding a new number. So we'll see what happens. I don't think it'll be happening because DJ Reed already gave up his number once that's, to Sauce Gardner. 
and That's he had plenty of success in it last year. So I don't know. Maybe yep. he should go for one of the big ones this year. Well, he he, he may be going for zero. We'll see. That's I, true. I bet you that'll be That's a. True. I bet you are, that'll be a coveted you, number. Yeah, you're gonna make a bid for for agent zero. Let me tell you, I think uh, a punter wearing zero opens yourself up to a lot of scrutiny. So yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let that go to somebody else. I don't want to be called a zero whenever I you know have some negative play or something like that. So I'll, I'll let somebody else go get it. All right, Thomas, last question for you. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the NFL moment. I'm always curious to talk to, to NFL players, especially a punter. Do you have any uh, moments, probably from, from your time in New Orleans, now that you're a veteran, uh, that you look back on as, as a very pivotal moment in, in your NFL career in terms of uh, learning the game? Learning the game? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- this is not so much learning the game, but I remember being a rookie. It was the year we, we went to the Super Bowl. We won the Super Bowl against the Colts. And we were in Miami week six. We were uh, pregame and teams, you know, they go, they, they, they warm up, they do their seven on seven full team. And then you kick an extra point or a field goal. And then you do a punt before you go in the locker room. So we kick the extra point and go out to midfield to punt it to the end zone. And I'm pretty sure it was Bart Scott was a linebacker for that. There you go. La- you know, real loud, loud guy. And uh, I think he played also for the Jets, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. So he's standing at midfield, and we're punting the ball from the 40. So I've got to go across midfield. And he's standing there looking at me as I'm walking. I try to walk around him. He steps over in front of me still, and he's shaking his head like, you ain't getting on our side of the field. And so I turn around, and my coach is yelling at me like, come on, get set. And I'm looking at him, and he's – I'm not going to, you know, pick a fight with this guy. <laughs> and – and uh, then all of a sudden, my punt team recognized what's going on. So I got I got ten other guys coming over, getting in Bart's face. And I was like, you know, I can't repeat what was said, but Bart was talking a lot of shit, and uh, he was just trying to get everybody riled up. And uh, I was like, damn, dude, Bart Scott is talking shit to me at midfield on an NFL field. Uh, anyways, I just remember thinking, like, damn, I'm in the league now. So. As, as a puncher, cool. though, as a puncher, though, I feel like you, you, might, you might have some good kicks. I mean, you could throw a little leg kick out there if it gets heated on the field. No, listen, I'm going to stay <laughs> out of any sort of uh, physical altercations. Um, don't need to have any injuries pregame. Thomas, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Uh, I guess last thoughts, if you have any uh, message for, for Jets fans, obviously an exciting season upcoming. We're really excited uh, uh, to, to watch you guys uh, win some games this season. Hopefully we don't see too much of you. But when we do, we know we know what you're going to do. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm going to give my very best, like I always do. Um, I'm going to do my very best to be a great teammate, great mentor in the locker room, help young guys get along a little quicker than they may otherwise uh, have done. And uh, I'm just very grateful for the opportunity. I can't believe this is my 15th year coming up. And um, every year, it's just it's a new adventure. And um, it's exciting to be a part of. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I can't wait. Uh, congratulations, and uh, hopefully uh, a year from now, maybe you have a, a ring on your finger uh, from from New York, and maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? Listen, that sounds like a great deal. I'll sign up <laughs> for that right now. Thomas, have a good one, man. Thank you. All Thank right. you. Thank you, guys. See ya. And that was Thomas Morstead, new punter for the New York Jets. Again, a huge thank you to him for taking time out of his day to join us. We really love doing these interviews and plan to do a lot more of them this offseason. We will be back on Monday. A lot of draft content coming your way. Uh, these next two weeks as we get towards the end of April. Uh, you can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter, Michael at Michael underscore Nania, myself at Ben W. Blessington. If you'd like to follow Thomas on Twitter, he's at Thomas Morstead. 
Go to JetsXFactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Subscribe to their YouTube. We post all the podcasts there. Uh, if you're able to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, that helps out the podcast a ton. Uh, and yeah, with that being said, we'll be back on Monday uh, talking draft stuff. So everybody have a great weekend. Go Jets.